Before you continue listening, I want to inform you that this moment contains content that may be alarming to some listeners. There are graphic depictions of violence, child abuse, sexual situations, traumatic events, and strong language that is not suitable for young listeners. Parental and listener discretion is advised. Seasons is where we talk about the different seasons we all experience in life, whether it's exciting, overwhelming, painful, or uncomfortable. We discuss what we do with the season we're in, how it makes us feel, the lessons we learn from it, and the stuff we sometimes don't want to talk about. The topic of this moment is from the depths of the ghetto to a place at his table. So let's dig in. So our guest is none other than my hollow loud auntie. She is a pastor, a wife, a doctor, a mother, a great grandmother, and her name is Miss Betty Ann Purify. Welcome to Seasons Auntie, and thank you for saying yes to my call. I appreciate it. How are you? Auntie is doing good, and thank you for this opportunity. It is truly a blessing and a long time coming. Yes. I've never told my story. I've never told my story. And one of the reasons is because I never thought it was important, which means that sometimes I didn't think I was important. But I'll tell you, God has made the difference in my life. And every year that goes by, the older I get, the more I see how his hand, hallelujah, his hand has been upon my life every single breath that I have taken. And we know the scripture says before you were even in your mother's womb that he knew you. And I can testify more and more, it is so. Yes, yes. So she decided on her own topic title, which I totally think needs to be turned into a best-selling book. Auntie tells us, tell us why you picked the title and how it pertains to a particular season in your lifetime, as well as uh, who you've emerged to be in this present day. Thank you, Lauren. And I just, you know, the title just kind of came up. So actually it was a comment back to you. It wasn't really a title. When I received your text back, I thought, you know, that that speaks to where I need to start. Mm-hmm. And so right now, you know, if I can just go ahead and just dab in. Yeah, go for you know, it. I was just thinking about um, when I was a little girl and all of what I'm going to talk about mainly transpired before the age of 13. So as a little girl going into the area where my dad took four of us, four little children, I'm the oldest at the age of six, have three siblings underneath me. And the area that we went to, he decided that I need to get some help so I can get on my feet. This was a new area for us that we were living in. And when he went to the welfare office, he asked them, can I get some help for me and my children just just so I can get on my feet? And they told him, you don't have an education, you don't, he didn't read or write. And so they gave him papers to fill out. He could not address those papers. And I'm sitting there, I'm standing there rather, at this counter, looking at them talk to my dad. 
and they suggested that he put us in a foster home. And he told them, he said, you will not separate me and my children. If you don't help me, somehow we'll be okay. But if by chance you see us starved to death or on the side of the road, and even if we have died, don't separate us even then. You dig a grave big enough and put us all in there together. And that made such an impact on me, and I left that office that day with him holding the hands of the two that walked. And there was an infant, and that was my little brother. And I said, Lord, when I get bigger, I'm gonna help people. I'm gonna help people. And so as we moved, moved on, he ended up getting a little place for us to live in. And again, the, this is in the heart of the ghetto where no boundaries, no limits, no, um, the area we were in, the windows on the place were out, the door was held by coat hangers, the iron coat hanger was what the hinges were for the door. And so nighttime and all that, my dad was also an avid gun collector. So people kind of got to know him real quickly as the crazy man. So nobody messed with us, even though there was no security around this property. In other words, it was not able to be secured because of windows and doors and things like that. So very poor, poverty, I mean, just deep. No boundaries, I grew up with alcohol and grew up with gambling and different things. I mean, just all the things that adults, um, I feel really off limits when you want to raise a healthy household. But again, in this place, this is what the people did. And so just living for the party, living for the nightlife, this is how I grew up. And if there was a gathering at the house, I can vividly remember people sitting around this little four-corner card table. Everybody got their gun on the table because they gambling. If you cheat somebody, it's nothing for somebody to just blow your brains out right there and then just keep the game going. And so just really a, a harshness. And so I believe I, I learned how to kind of block those things out. And there was a lady that lived really across the street. It was, I think it was across the street from us, if I can remember. And she would actually kind of take an interest in just saying hi and how y'all doing? You need anything, Mr. Miles? And different things like that. And so one day, I remember this lady saying, you have an older girl there and I can help you with her. I can help you do her hair and different things like that. And that sounded like a good idea because he needed some help with these kids. And of course, I'm jumping all the way around because my story is just so, it's so much, I'm just being flooded right now. But she said, I can help you with that little girl. And so that was a good idea. And so he thought, yeah, so you can, you know, take her on the weekends and, and that way, you know, it could be okay. And he had different ones that would come in at other times and help cook and try to take care of the other ones at different times. and. So this lady, I began to get to know her, but one of the things that my dad did not know, and I did not know, was that she was a head prostitute. And so this lady, of course, what did she do? Gather girls, and this is what she did. So that messed my life up from the very beginning. So all the things that go with that, there I go. And some time went by, and there it was. That was a lifestyle for this young girl. But I'll tell you the hand of God. Again, I'm just telling my story. And at the end of every sentence, I can say, God, I thank you. Now I can see that you are right there too. So many things just have transpired. Just looking at being hungry, just looking at having to walk five miles to school. And when the bus didn't, when I couldn't catch the bus, 
going to beg a neighbor for 50 cent to ride the bus when the neighbor didn't have 50 cent, then that felt like rejection. And so now what do you do? You hide out because you're not going to school. You're not going to walk five miles today. So missing school was just really one of those things where it was easy. No one was saying, if you're truant, you're going to be picked up. It, it wasn't like that down in the ghetto. If you did whatever you did, I mean, only the strongest survived. And so going to even just looking at party and living for the party on the weekend, Lauren, it was just, I mean, just when I look at it now, it's like I'm almost not ashamed, but it's like how could my mind have even began to normalize that kind of behavior? But you're living for the party. Every single party, when you go out, outside after the party, somebody on the lawn dead. Somebody been killed in the party, drug out on the lawn. And guess what? The next week, there we are at another party. Every weekend, living for the party, walking the streets all night long. You say, well, how could you do that? Well, during the day, you do during the day things. Well, at nighttime, when everybody sleep, you sneak out the window, and now you walk the streets all night and get back in as the day began to dawn. My God, my God, my God. How did I do that and still live? to see today, the hand of God. And so just living for the nightlife, I learned that all of this again before the age of 13. And I can go on and on and on, but just so many things. One of the most impactful things for me, I think was when this young girl, actually she was probably about my age, we, I don't know, 10, 11 years old. Again, we living for the party. But the night that I walked out of a party and she was on the lawn dead, I thought, how could that be? She's so pretty. How could that be? And that just kind of stayed with me. I kept saying, how could that be? Not knowing that it really could have been me and the way I was going, it would have been me. And so again, the hand of God, but things began to happen more rapidly. But at the age of 13, I'm gonna go ahead and fast forward now. At the age of 13, I was walking the street and this man drove by and he said, hey, young girl, do you go to school? And I said, sometime. And he said, there's a program I know about that want to help young kids just like yourself. And it perked me up. Nonetheless, I'm used to hollering in the car at different men because that was kind of the ghetto way of doing things. It was just a mess. But that's what I lived in. And it was, again, that was normal. And I was not scared. I was not hesitant. It was no big deal. But here it is. That perked me up. He said, just like you, there's a school program over by the beaches. And I thought, wow, I said, let me go ask my daddy, can I go? And I mean, I'm not and asking, a, I don't know how to ask the normal questions. How do you do that? You know, the life is finna be changed. None of that stuff mattered because it was okay. I didn't have any feelings. I didn't have any thoughts. I didn't have any way to even uh, manipulate the information. Just putting one foot in front of the other and just living. If you live to the next day, you do the same thing, the same time, same place until somebody interject another idea, which was all still going on the way to destruction. It was just a mess. When I look at it at my stomach sometime, Lauren, I, I just over the last week, just thinking about doing this here, it, I really had to deal with a lot of things that were still there. See, in our body, we have to remember that your body ain't saved. And so all the things you used to do, it's still up in there, but it's mortified by the Spirit of God. So as those feelings began to come, I began to get angry and I began to get mad. And I thought, you know, God, thank you that you have redeemed me. And so I can look back and I can be a blessing to somebody. And so that's why I'm going forward to do this here. But going back to that little part of the story, when I asked my daddy, could I go? My daddy said, 
you know, I'm going to let you go because it's just a matter of time for you end up dead anyway. So I'm going to let you go. Ha, glory, glory. Daddy at 13 years old let his baby girl go to an area that he never had been, but he knew that anything was better than where I was right then. My God, my God. And so I ended up in this place, in this town. I hated it here. I got here. I had never seen a salad, didn't know what a salad was. On dinner day, when daddy would get paid, he done drove a cotton picker all week. And I don't know what the payment was, but going to the grocery store, we looked forward to daddy going to the grocery store on Fridays. He'd come back with five pounds of bologna, two loaves of Wonder Bread, and a bag of Cheetos, and that was grocery. And we would be so happy. So many things that we didn't get to do, didn't get to learn about during that time, but it was okay. We were happy. We didn't know that everybody didn't live like we were living. We were okay. We hadn't been out of that environment. We had been right there living just like that, and it was okay. But when I got to this area and salad, it was strange to me. When I was in the place where we lived, I walked the street. I'd be sharp or just cute, but no shoes. I didn't like to wear shoes. So it's almost like you got this little country girl or this girl that's out of place. She, she's from head to toe, she's looking all right. But you get down to her feet, she ain't got no shoes on. I didn't like to wear shoes. I never wore shoes. And so just looking at being here in this area, seeing salad bars and different people wearing shoes. And, you know, it's a beach area. You know, people got, you know, some clothes, um, minimum clothes. And just, I mean, it was just so different, so foreign, but I didn't like it here. But this was where the place was where I signed up to come to school. Now, when the man asked me and asked my daddy, he didn't get information from my daddy that could actually see if I qualified to be in this program. But I told the man, I said, yes, I'm 17, I'm 13. But I told him I'm 17. And that was enough to get him, to get the ball rolling, to get me to this area. See, God rescued me. I lied, but he got me out of there. I lied, but he got me out to bring me in. Again, I'm here today so I can look back and see that God has been good. I'm skipping a whole bunch of stuff. But in that time, from 13, hallelujah, to it was June 23rd, 1973. And December the 13th, I got my GED. When I got my GED, I thought, now I'm kind of liking it over here. I wanted to stay. And so I thought, how can I stay? I don't have a job. I just got my high school diploma. I couldn't get a job. And so somebody said, there's a junior college. I thought I'm too young to go there. But I said, I'm gonna go try it anyway. I walked to the junior college went to the financial aid office. There was a black man in there. I said, I want to go to school. He said, well, where are you from? And I told him, he said, where are your parents? I say, they at home. He said, well, you take this paper and you go and have your parents to fill out that paper. I said, okay. I took that paper back to where I was. I put an X on that paper because that's how my daddy signed my name. I took it back, put my fake birthday in there and I was enrolled in school. But that is just, again, a part of the story as far as all the hickeys that I got on my head, all the bruises on my heart, all the things that God has brought me through. 
Now there are so many, some things I don't want to talk about, I'm not going to talk about, I'm not trying to be a mockery or make a gossip technique, a, a tune out of myself. But if you want to know more of the details of the story, then you just give me a call. I don't mind telling everybody anything. If it's gonna help you, I don't mind spitting it out. God has been good to me, and I know the best is yet to come. But I am very grateful for the opportunity to be able to confront what has actually been hidden for so many years because of my choice to hide it. And I'm not ashamed. I have a beautiful family. I have a beautiful husband. I have a beautiful life. And it's all because of what God has done. You're talking about coming up from the rubbles? Hey, hey, taking ashes and making something out of it. And the beauty of that will be revealed has not been revealed yet. I'm looking forward to what God wants to do because I know that he has spared my life. Now, again, I've left out so many details. You'd be saying, oh, girl, that's just, uh, that, that's, min that's minimum stuff. We all have a story. And it's up to us how we want to tell the story. But I'll tell you this, no matter what you have gone through, somebody else has gone through the same thing. There's no new tricks. The devil's just seeking whom he may devour. And if he can get us all messed up in our mind, get us all bound up, then he think he has the victory. But I want you to know tonight that he don't have the final say-so and nothing that pertains to us. God has been so good. I've been left on mountaintops and dared to do some things. I say, you just leave me here because I am not going to bow down. I've had pimps to tell me that I'm going to beat you under subjection. I said, oh, no, you not. And they locked me and tied me to the bed in a room that don't have a doorknob on the inside. But somehow while they're gone and doing the other business and waiting to come back, while they're gone, I see smoke. Hey, I see smoke that comes into that room and open that door and I go free. How do you do that? That's the power of God. So I knew, hallelujah, even then, that something was supernatural that was happening in my life. But I was rescued that night. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the goodness of God. So many things, so many testimonies that I can tell you. Oh, I can talk about it now. But I'll tell you, don't hesitate to know. Don't hesitate to know that what God has allowed you to go through, oh, he can bring you through it. He can bring you through it. I used to say that is just so, so insensitive to talk about that because God can stop everything. Oh, yes, he can. God knows, God knew, and God also knows what he has prepared for me and you. And it is good, it's not for evil. And why we have to go through, I don't have an answer to that question, but I tell you what, I would go through it again to get what I got right now. Because if I did not have, hi, glory to God, the relationship that I have with God, I couldn't put it into place, excuse me, I couldn't put into place the things that I need to put into place to help my mind to wrap around all of the things that I've been brought through. And so I'm very grateful. So when I say the answer is Jesus, I mean that. And when I say that you can make it through anything, I'm not crazy, I, I, I don't hate men, but the way I came up, I should hate men. The opportunity to wanna blow every brain out, yes, that opportunity was there because of how I was messed around. But I tell you, when God heals, he know how to heal. And so again, we don't have to be stuck. 
We don't have to feel like our life is nothing. It's not your fault what you went through. It's just a matter of how we let we allow God to help us to come through. And I'm so glad for the helper on today. I'm so glad. Hallelujah. Let me stop, Lauren, because I can go on and on and on and on. <laughs> Auntie, just feel, I'm in the cloud right no, now. No, that was good, Auntie. Just addressing those feelings like you can't dwell in those feelings. You can't stay there. Once you've been delivered, don't go back to it. That's Keep right. moving forward. That's know? right. And, and, and just, we used to sing that song in church, press toward the mark, toward the prize of the high calling. That's you it. Know? And that's Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us in our everyday lives. And, and, and the memories are still there. You know, that doesn't, the memories don't go away. It's just what we do with those memories. That's your platform. That's your platform. Yeah. When you are converted, Strengthen your brethren, mm -hmm. which means that not when you tell everybody you hate men and you spread that venom. Right. No, you talk about the deliverance part. Mm -hmm. You've been through, but there's no residue. Right. There's no residue. Right. And so now you can help people to strengthen mm -hmm. where they are on their way to because right. of the goodness and the grace of God. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. And a lot of times, you know, we, we, I feel that we go through things for other people. You know, yes, because what do you do now? You know what I mean? You you talk with people, you talk to young people, you've you've been a helper to so many people that have gone through so many things. And the only way for us to be able to help people is to be relatable. Yes. Right. And if we just sit on our high horse and just, you know, be all spiritual and you're holier than thou that's not yes. gonna help somebody yes. you know what yes. i mean they want to hear what you've been through so that they know that there's a chance for them you know absolutely lord and i agree with you 100 percent. and i haven't always been at the place where i wanted to actually tell people my story i want to tell them what god said i want to tell them what god said and there's a time we all have to just let it be known what god did mm -hmm. But at, in the initial, sometimes we're not ready right. to go there. So it's good to stay on what God, what God said mm -hmm. because therein is where we live. Right. Then there's that place of, I call it a place of increase mm -hmm. where you're not impacted by what God did and how he did it. So what he said will reveal what he did, mm -hmm. which is the victory. Right. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Now, Auntie, you talked about your dad, but... Where was your mom during this time? Hey, mom left at a very early age. Her and dad didn't work out mm -hmm. and all the details of that, that's for another story. All right. But yes, it was just dad raising these four kids. I'm the oldest and it was, that was a mess. But I tell you, my daddy wouldn't let nobody mess with his kids. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of things that I probably should have told someone, I knew if my dad got a hold to it, Lauren, somebody would be dead. Yeah. Then I wouldn't have a dad. Right. And yeah. so a lot of things I wouldn't even let go. So I'm just putting one foot in front of the other, mm -hmm. taking the treatment, the mistreatment from others, right. but keeping keeping it moving, mm -hmm. keeping it moving. So I didn't know how to feel. Yeah. You know, there was no love in the house, mm -hmm. but the love was there's a roof, even though it wasn't a roof. Yeah. There's food, even though it was just bologna and bread. Mm -hmm. That was love. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know no difference. Yeah. Ah, glory. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, growing up with you, like I remember we would be on road trips and you would make you would make a double double at in and out just 
stretch. There'd be like six of us and we would all like, you get six french fries, you you know how to stretch stuff, you know? And so those are still things that are, are, are helpful, you know? Even with us going to Africa, like just being able to rough it and be okay with it. You know what I mean? Those are things that, that have um, created who you are as a person, you know? And I, when, when, you were, when you were that 13-year-old girl, did you know Jesus at that time? Like, what was your relationship? What, what, what level was Jesus in your life? No relationship with God at that time, but I knew God at a very early age. Before we left, going to the area where my dad finally landed with us, I had a praying auntie who had actually kept us for about two years. She prayed, she went to church, and we went to church with her. He came out to look for housing. But I learned prayer. I learned how good God was with her. She was a single parent, but she took in these four children trying to help her brother. This was my aunt. And one of the things that I did come to learn about 50 years later was that before we left, somebody said, Betty, you received the Holy Ghost as a little girl. We never knew what happened to you, but we knew you would be okay. I learned this about probably about 10 years ago when I went to a family reunion, and the people saw me and they just bust out crying, say, is that, is that Betty, is that Betty? They hadn't seen us since we had left, but they said, we knew you would be okay, but we just had not heard anything. So just not walking with God, so you would call it a backslidden condition, mm -hmm. but God was faithful to me. Yeah. He was faithful to me. Mm -hmm. he, he kept his word, hallelujah, yeah. to me. So again, committing our children, committing our, our ways unto him, it's, it's very helpful because he's not a promise breaker. Yeah. He's a promise keeper. That's right. And so I tell people, even now, I mean, I was really strict about kids want to go spend the night here and spend the night there. I, I wasn't having it right. because of what I had been tricked into. Mm -hmm. So you never know. Even though they're Christian people, right. well, my experience yeah. caused me, it didn't matter who you were and what you claimed to be, mm -hmm. That was what helped me make my decisions. Yeah. So a lot of things they didn't get to do, they didn't get to go to certain places because of my experiences. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. God is merciful. That's right. And so looking back on that now, let's say we have a listener who, who's in that situation. They've, they've been scarred by, by past um, experiences. And how do you separate that? Like, how do we... Cause we're not supposed to inflict our, our wounds upon our children, our hurts upon our children. What advice do you have for that parent or that grandparent that's raising their grandkid or child um, to, to allow them to still experience life without that person's wounds being put on their children? Yeah, I'm not gonna claim I know an answer to that, Lauren, but what has been helpful to me has been the way that God has treated me. And so to really take that personal and know that it wasn't the children. It wasn't that what happened to you is going to happen to them. My desire to protect and try to prevent certain things was me trying to play God. Yeah. And so I began to learn that. So I can't say I have an answer for that, but the relationship and the trust in God beginning to release them 
to God and then asking God for wisdom as to how should I govern or go in and out amongst my children? Should they go to this place or should they not? You know, just different, um, it's our relationship with God. That's what's been helpful to me yeah. because saying, you know, some people say, you know, you do that or, you know, say yes to that. That's innocent. I've seen people do that and the results came back unfavorable. Right. You know, so again, only one knows. So my relationship with God has been a blessing. And one of the things I did not want for my children, my grandchildren, actively anybody I knew was to experience or go through what I had went through. So it's been kind of a real kind of standoffish kind of place for me. You know, many labels I'm sure that I've had, you know, mean and, you know, just, um, you know, not loving, no compassion, um, just all strict, very strict. And all of that was based under this protective not knowing how to really show the love properly, mm-hmm. but that desire to not see pain continue. The yes. pain that I was in, right. but it was being masked, yeah. you know, under, you know, I can holler loud, I can sing loud, I testify loud, but underneath that, you know, the pain still. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you today, I thank God I'm feeling the freedom and yes. the victory, even sitting here right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I can attest to that, too, because, I mean, like I said, I've known you since I was four years old. And so there's been a lot of physical, mental, spiritual transitions that have taken place in your life. And I mean, I don't even know all of the things. I just know some of the stuff that you used to tell us growing up. And and just to see where you are now, it's a blessing to me. Amen. It's a blessing to me because, you know, I've experienced my own things and sometimes I worry about my children and it's like, Lord, what's, I don't want to throw them to the wolves, but they have to be able to experience life, right? So that's where where our help comes from in the Holy Spirit to, to, to help us release our children. You know what I mean? Knowing that he's going to take care of them, knowing that he's going to protect them yes they're, they're gonna come against some stuff but you know what as long as we've grounded them in a relationship with the lord they're gonna be okay yes you know yes. and and so i have to thank you auntie because you are a big part of who i am today Stop. you know i i grew up around a lot of different things not not all bad things but you were one of the solid things in my life and and to our listeners like this lady right here she you've heard some of the things that she's been through and and there was a moment in in my childhood where you know you took me in my mom was sick with cancer and you took me in you know what I mean and and I'm sure you were struggling with your own things but you are the most selfless person I have ever met you put other people's needs before your own you encourage people even when you're the one that might need the encouraging and so I thank you for that because I don't know where I would be as a as a young person as a child you know my mom wasn't there my dad was in the military because she was sick like all these different things and you provided for us you brought us food on thanksgiving you know what i mean and you're an amazing person and regardless of what people might say from the past you know we we don't dwell there that's right if we dwell in our past we're never going to grow in our future and you have grown so i mean tell the people about your you know you're a doctor now tell them about that you know hallelujah it's by the grace of God, you know, just looking at um, schooling. Again, school wasn't something that I really did. I missed a lot of school. 
after I got my GED, God has been gracious and merciful. I've come to realize that, and I do appreciate, I'm grateful for the doctorate degree, and pretty soon I will be licensed. I have private practice, and I'm just continuing to help people. That's the overall thing. But I come to realize that school was not because I desired to be a doctor. God opened that door, and Lauren, I believe that door was for me. Yeah. It was to help me to be able to navigate you know, I'd be sitting in class and some of the things that I hear in the psychological processes, it's like, oh, I mean, I didn't know that. I, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And so it has helped me to navigate some of these feelings that are even coming up now. What you've asked me to do here today, it is a blessing and I know God set it up. In clinical, we can't necessarily put people in this position. Right. And the reason being is because everybody cannot navigate these feelings and emotions that come up. Yeah. And if they come up, you have to be on the other side, able to hold them yeah. and to take care of that that has emerged to the surface. Mm -hmm. And so just having a week, probably two weeks, to just kind of sit with all of this, yeah. I said, God, I thank you, you are good to me. Mm -hmm. But a lot of my clinical training was able to be used to help me to navigate through some of these feelings. Yeah. I have a husband at home. Mm -hmm. And so to project some of those things that was not even his fault onto him, I had to navigate that. Mm -hmm. You know, why aren't you talking? You know, why why don't you want to play AC Ducey tonight? Right. Why don't you don't want to go to the beach tonight? Well, I'm I'm processing. Right. So again, the clinical, I am grateful for the education. I encourage everybody get you some education. <laughs> you gonna need it if not just for yourself, for somebody else. Right. And plus, we need it in this world that we're in. But I'm very grateful to be um, called. I've been called a lot of things in my life, and probably still a lot of things. But I am very grateful to be called a woman of God. Hallelujah. Yes. And Dr. Betty and Miles Purified. Yes. I'm very grateful for that. Yes. So, Auntie, I'm sure there, there are other ladies that are out there that have experienced what you've experienced. And, and they might be alone right now, not married, not wanting to have nothing to do with nobody. And so when, when your husband came along, how did how how can you encourage somebody when that person comes along to to be able because it's trust right that's hard when you've been messed over by tons of people in your life you you don't trust anybody so I mean you know how did that how were you able to say okay I'm going to marry this man yes I want you know the honest part of our story even with my precious wonderful husband I was afraid yeah I was afraid. I felt like I could not be trusted. Mm -hmm. I felt like I wasn't good enough to have someone to say, this is my wife. Yeah. But I really was afraid. And on the day of the wedding, I can remember saying, I don't think I can do this. Not because I didn't want to, I didn't trust myself. Mm -hmm. And so someone dear to us prayed and said, Betty, you're gonna be all right. It's gonna be all right. And so being able to just really surrender to, I, 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 I'm okay, I deserve to at least have a chance. Right. I deserve to have a chance. Mm -hmm. So for those that might be saying, you know, maybe I just met somebody, and how do I allow them that space in? It's really gonna be us talking to ourselves yeah. and receiving of ourselves that I don't have to project onto them what somebody else did to me, 
they're a person, they probably have no clue as to even what I'm talking about. So right. all the time that I even accuse falsely because of what I was projecting, what a, a harsh thing to do. Yeah. But thank God for a man of God that says I'm committed and I understand that you need to be cared for. See, everybody ain't trying to care for you. Some yeah. folks just want to get under your hood mm -hmm. and they ain't trying to do what needs to be done. Right. But for those that, for the young women, saved or unsaved, care for yourself first. Right. And if someone else deserves your care, I believe you will somehow know yeah. that if it's worth for you to allow your trust to come, because it's going to have to be earned. Mm -hmm. It's got to be earned. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't just, everybody just tell you cute and then you just go head on. Right. But it's going to have to be earned. But it's okay to be a friend. Yeah. Start slow. It's mm -hmm. okay to learn some stuff about somebody. Right. And see, and if you find some signs or signals that come up, don't ignore them. Right. Don't ignore them. Address them, whatever you address them address. yes yeah yes. yeah um and i think also uh forgiving of oneself is important you know what i mean like you don't have to beat yourself up for the choices that you made you know out of desperation or just trying to make it like yes. you know what i mean forgive yourself absolutely you know that's important because something else is going to happen down the road and if you haven't like you said address the issue at hand then you're not going to be able to address the next thing that comes comes your right. way. And if you just keep piling that on, that that's when the depression and all of those things start start escalating because you haven't addressed the main thing. Hallelujah. Oh, that that's so good, Lauren. You know, and even still today, I I struggle with the forgiving of myself. Um, it's it's a daily thing, but I continue with my relationship with God. I mean, I, and I say it, and it's not no patented thing to say, because this is how I live and this is how I will die in my faith in God. But being able to know that, Betty, you've been redeemed. Yeah. The righteousness of God is revealed through Jesus Christ and his faithfulness to really love us the way we deserve to be loved. My even expecting someone to do me that's gonna solve all of my problems, that's gonna be my everything, that doesn't exist yeah. only in Jesus, right. only in Jesus. So forgiving ourselves, being able to receive that when God made you, he didn't make no mistakes. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Don't change a thing, because if God wanted something changed, he will change that. Yeah. But for us to accept, hallelujah, who he has created us to be, and knowing that all he wants from us is what he put in us, and so surrendering our life to Christ is going to be a blessing. I, as I like to tell people, I tell myself, be gentle with yourself. Love on yourself. You deserve the best. Yeah. When God made you, he made you the best. You deserve the best that God has available for you in this life. You're not less than. You're not uh, afterthought. You're none of that. You are the best. You're the apple of his eye, according to the word of God. Hallelujah. Yeah. So sometimes people, I in conversations with people, I hear them say, you know, I'm not about that religious stuff. You know what I mean? And, and I try my best to explain to them, I'm not a religious person. I'm a child of God. I read his word. I have faith in him. 
what do you say when yes. people say, I don't want that religious stuff, uh, Betty. I don't want that religious stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I really, in my head, I say, well, you don't want nothing to do with me. <laughs> but um, one person, this really happened to me. They told me those exact words. They said, no, every time you talk, you got to talk about Jesus. And I said, well, that, that's who I am. That's, I, I love him, and he loves me, and he loves you too. And they say, don't talk, about, don't talk to me about Jesus. I said, you know, okay, I, I honor your um, time and space, you know, so that it don't have to be. I can still, you know, hang out with you every now and then. But after that, I think it was probably about two weeks later, I get a call. The call is from the county jail. Mm-hmm. And this person is that same person asking me, Betty, Jesus, you think he still loved me? Oh. Hmm. I could have went there, but you don't want to hear about him. Hmm. I said, yes, he loves you. Nothing you can do can ever change his love. Here it is, I want to tell people, don't hold back your Jesus just because people want you to accommodate their flesh. Go ahead on and let them do you like they did Jesus. They didn't want to hear him. All he wanted to do was heal the sick, raise the dead, feed the hungry, do everything good for people. But he told us if we lift him up, that he would draw. Didn't say everybody would accept him, but he said he would draw on and he knows how to let his love be revealed to people. And so I have people tell me, you always talk about, but I tell you, my phone rings, Lauren, my texts blow up, Lauren, <laughs> when somebody need not me, right? But they need Jesus, yes. mm-hmm. and so I don't want. I ain't got nothing for you, right? I really don't. Mm-hmm. But when I give you what I got, like the scripture says, I ain't got no money for you, no silver and gold. But what I got, yeah. I give you that. And that man got up walk, walking, running, leaping, and jumping in the temple because of what they had. So it's going to be a little lonely sometime trying to be a witness for Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a little out of place, seeming like witness for Jesus. But no, we're not religious. We actually, the representatives in this flesh that houses the Spirit of God. And he ain't talking trash. (laughs) He's not talking something that ain't gonna bring forth some fruit. Right, yeah, yeah. Talk about your Jesus. Mm -hmm. Every time there's an opportunity, let it be known. They may not want to hear, we honor and respect you. I love you, but he loves you more. Mm -hmm. We can talk about tea and coffee and recipes. We can do that. But let's talk about also, too, the one that made the tea, coffee, and recipes available. <laughs> yeah. Let's do that, too. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Grandma, oh, I ain't going to get on the road. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's good. And so what about that person that is like, you know, I tried Jesus, but it didn't work for me. Or I would like to know this person that transformed your life. What? Let's talk to them. Yes. You just love them. Just love them pray for them. They don't have to know you're praying. Just love them. Because when they're in your presence, they're in his presence. Yeah. I'm talking about spiritual stuff. Yeah. This that we're in seasons. <laughs> we all have them. Yeah. And the God that's faithful, he doesn't leave us because it's winter time. <laughs> yeah. He don't get more on top of us because it's summertime. Always, he said, I never leave you nor forsake you. Can always call him, always count on him. But for that one that said, I've tried this Jesus stuff and 
I'm, I'm not really with that. Love them. Yeah. Don't let your light go out. As a matter of fact, it might be time to put the high beams on. <laughs> yeah. Don't have the broadcast. Just go ahead and hit the button. Just put the high beams on. Because he knows how, hallelujah, to do what needs to be done. His goal, his, his desire, his will is that none should perish. And if we just allow him to work through us, letting the Holy Spirit guide us, it's going to be all right. I don't worry about people no more. I used to. You better get saved or else. I don't. I just do my thing. Mm-hmm. And that's whatever God gave me to do. And that's because in my, in my I call it my younger years, <laughs> he's really helping me to just chill out and enjoy life. And the more he's lifted, the more I see him working. And I, it takes the pressure off of me because I really have been driven by work so much in my Christian life. You got to do this, you got to do that because you owe God because he's been so good to you. It's not about works. At least a man should boast. Just represent by letting your light shine before men that they would see your good works and give glory to our Father in heaven. Don't let your light dim no matter what. Keep that standard. That was so good, Auntie. Thank you so much for sharing with us. And and um, is there any one last thing that you want to tell the listeners? Can you sing a song for us? This lady can sing, y'all. Just just a couple just a couple lines. She can sing. Oh my God. There's a story behind my praise. That's why my hands I'll continue to raise. I'm going to praise him for the rest of my days. There's a story behind my praise yes all right well thank you all so much for listening you have heard dr betty ann purify from the depths of the ghetto to a place at his table we would love to hear from you on our instagram and facebook page instagram is seasons underscore podcast underscore or you can join our facebook group which is seasons podcast we would love to hear from you regarding our special moment and that's all we have for you so remember stay positive there's a story behind my praise that's why my hands I'll continue you to raise I'm gonna praise him for the rest of my day. Oh, there's a story, yeah, behind my praise. There's a story behind. My praise That's why my hands I'll continue To raise I'm gonna praise Him For the rest Of my day
a story, yeah, behind my prayers. If you see me crying, oh, that is a story, how he's been God for me in all of his glory, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you see me shouting, oh, don't be amazed. I just realized where and when I was saved. If you see me running, oh, don't you think it's strange? Mm-hmm. 